Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would banish our fears, that we might see you and take hold of you, the light of the world. In your name we pray. Amen. message of the prophets of the one who was to come and rescue us from our sins, starting with Genesis chapter 3 in the fall, all the way up to the message of Gabriel to the Virgin Mary. And I always think it's very funny when uh, Gabriel prefaces his remarks to her of, be not afraid, uh, because she was. Uh, Mary, being a good, faithful woman, knew to be afraid when an angel of the Lord showed up to bring a word. It was normally not a good word uh, to be brought. And in fact, when angels showed up, people often died. And so his mere presence uh, struck her uh, with great uh, fear, so much that Gabriel could see in her eyes how overwhelmed she was and so said, Do not be afraid. But is there really anything that Gabriel could say to quiet her fear? And not just due to his presence, but also because of the content of his message. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. It is no wonder that she asks, how can this be? And her concern is not just biological, that she does not have a husband, but the weight of the news that she has been the one chosen to birth God into, in the flesh and bring him into this world. If you've ever been in the spot to be told that you are expecting a child, that is overwhelmingly and overwhelming enough. But to be told you are giving birth to the Savior of the world would undo anyone. And even then, in the midst of Mary's fear, in that moment, she could not grasp the full implication of this call on her life. She's a young girl, probably in her early teens. She is poor and unwed. She would have to give birth to her baby in a barn, and her child's first crib would be a feeding trough. The birth of her son would cause Herod, the king of the Jews, to rage and kill every male child in Bethlehem, two years of age or younger. She, Joseph, and Jesus would be forced to flee to Egypt and live as refugees. She would have to learn the difficulty of submission to her son, becoming not just a mother to him, but a disciple of him. She would even watch her own son die right before her very eyes, a slow, cruel, and agonizing death. How could she have known that the word of the angel would have meant all of this and more? Mary had every right to be afraid. Well, I doubt uh, 
that the Lord has ever spoken to you directly. It happens, I believe that. I sometimes wish that God would give me an engraved invitation and just send a messenger and why don't you just tell me what you want me to do? That's, that's kind of what I'm looking for in my walk. Uh, and yet, that typically doesn't happen with us. And yet, the fear that Mary is experiencing of simply being overwhelmed by the world and also being overwhelmed by the word of what God has to say to her causes us to fear as well. What are we afraid of? What are you afraid of in this world? We all have fears that are very real that hit close to home. Our children, who even though small, we try to guard them and shield them from the ways of the world, from the unkindness shown to them by others, even as little ones. Up to the wondering if your grown children might come home this Christmas and praying that at the very least they might call. Whether it's our marriages, praying that things will get better and the overwhelming dread in our hearts that maybe things won't get better in our marital relationships. The struggle with loneliness, even those of us surrounded by friends and family, can be incredibly lonely especially during Christmas. And even our fears that were once considered irrational now seem very possible. We see this even this past week with the shootings in San Bernardino, California. People gathered with their children for a holiday party and two individuals walk in an open fire, killing and injuring many. What kind of world will our children and grandchildren grow up in? What kind of world do we live in now? It's hard to say, and it makes all of us fearful in a world where it seems like darkness may actually overcome us. That even in the joy of a Christmas party, darkness comes in. And what we see in our world around us today is anything that is opposed to the light, anything that is dark, is ultimately about control. For freedom, Christ came to set us free. But what we see in the forces of darkness that we battle against in the world, that it is about control, whether it's the subjugation of women or the control of the mind, and that is if you do not think or believe the way that I do, we will simply remove your head from your body. But the thing about light is that darkness cannot tolerate it. It reveals something as it is, it shows it for what it is, and darkness cannot hide, especially those who dwell in the dark. The only thing that will drive out darkness is light. The only thing that ends the night is the rising of the sun. And like a glorious dawn, we hear in the words of the angel Gabriel, a light shineth. John tells us in chapter 1 that the light has come into the world and those who dwell in darkness do not want to walk in it and yet they cannot help but be exposed. But in the midst of what seems to be overwhelming darkness, how do we appropriate the words of Gabriel, do not be afraid? 
Why shouldn't we be afraid? Uh, there's a wonderful transition in Luke's gospel where uh, Jesus is, uh, Mary is talked to by Gabriel about her pregnancy and uh, she's a little bit worried about it. But you fast forward to the nativity and everybody standing in the manger scene is bewildered and has no idea what to do with what has just happened. But this is what Luke 2.19 says. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. You see, something has happened to Mary between Gabriel's announcement and the birth of her son. She got it. She understood it. She appropriated the good news that the child that she would bring into this world actually would save her too. And she understood the great cost. We hear in Genesis 3 that in our fall from perfect fellowship with God, things have gotten very bad. I don't have to go into any more detail, I think, with this congregation to show just how far gone the world is. But not just our relationship with God, our relationships with one another are far gone. We look at even our loved ones and we wonder why can't our relationship be better? Why can there not be reconciliation between two people who even love one another? The results of the far are just as evident in our relationships as they are with our relationship with God. And so in that moment when Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden and an angel of the Lord is put before the garden with a flaming sword... He actually gives them a word of hope. He says to Eve, you shall give birth, one of your children, and he shall bruise your heel. He, he shall bruise the serpent's head, and the serpent shall bruise his heel. Even in the midst of the fall, God gives Adam and Eve a word that your redemption is coming. And I will work even through this tragedy to bring about your rescue. You know, left to ourselves as we confront darkness and evil and fear in our world, we are doomed. The Bible, Jesus especially, refers to us as sheep sent out in the midst of wolves. Sheep versus wolf, who wins every time? Wolf. That was a pretty easy one. I was waiting for someone to say Jesus, because that's the real answer, right? Sheep versus wolf, wolf wins every time. Wolf versus Jesus, Jesus wins. But if left to our own selves and think, well, I'm going to conquer my fear by self-reliance and self-motivation uh, with the help of Google, which will convince me that I either have the common cold or AIDS, and whatever it might be, or some bubonic plague, whatever it might be, uh, and yet... Left to ourselves, we're hopeless against the fears of this world. But in Jesus we hear, I have said these things to, me, to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There's a wonderful Advent hymn that uh, doesn't get sung very much, uh, but I love it. And it's a wonderful prayer uh, for this time in the life of our world. Veiled in darkness, Judah lay, waiting for the promised day, while across the shadowy night streamed a flood of glorious light. Heavenly voices chanting then, peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
Still the earth and darkness lies up from dark death's dark veil arise. Voices of a world in grief. Prayers of men who seek relief. Now our darkness pierce again. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Light of light, we humbly pray, shine upon thy world today. Break the gloom of our dark night. Fill our souls with love and light. Send thy blessed word again. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Advent is not just about the eager expectation of the miracle of the incarnation of God coming into the world in flesh in Jesus Christ, but also our eager longing now that on that great and terrible day when he comes back to judge this world and to rule in equity, when every hair stands on every arm, when the trumpet sounds, he will make everything right. The lion will lie down with the lamb. The child will play over the hole of the cobra. The child will place its hand in the adder's nest. Everything that is broken down and wrong in this world will be made right. And darkness will be no more. And so when we see the darkness and the brokenness around us in this world, our hearts cry out, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Banish fear from our hearts, for we know that you, God, have been made love incarnate, and that perfect love cast out all fear. And so that we too might take hold of the message that Gabriel gave to Mary, and that we might make it our own, and hold tightly to that word in our heart that our Redeemer has come and is coming. Amen.